1: Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the Unseminary podcast. So glad that you decided to spend some time with us. I know there's a lot that you could be doing uh, as you're getting ready for this weekend at your church, and I'm honored that you would take some time out uh, to listen in today. Today, uh, we're in for a real treat. We have John Finkeldi with us from Perth, Australia. John, welcome to the show.
2: Hey, Rich. Great to be with you and with all the listeners today.
1: I'm so glad you've uh, you've taken some time out uh, to be with us. So, John is I'm fascinated for this conversation because I just is self uh, aware that this is a whole part of our leadership at our church that we're re- really wrestling with. Uh, my own leadership uh, stuff we need to learn, and so I've got my notepad out. I'm looking forward to learning uh, big time. But, John, why don't we uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, about your ministry background, give us the John story.
2: Yeah, Rich, um, been in ministry for about 33 years, uh, pastored in our church for 30 years. I was 10 years uh, as a team pastor in our church. I did youth, small groups, I was a music director. I did everything except kids' ministry and women's ministry. They're the (laughs) only two areas of church I've never been involved in leading, have no aspirations in either. That's Uh, fine. Then uh, led our church for 20 years, kind uh, of grew our church, saw great growth. We planted a new church about every three years over wow. those 20 years. And uh, three years ago, we transitioned to next generation leaders on our team that we'd raised up and hmm. released them into the lead pastor role. And now Di and I, uh, my wife and I started a ministry called Grow a Healthy Church, which is consulting and coaching uh, churches and pastors. So in the last... Three years, we've done 64 on-site consults with churches. That's a four-day consult, working with pastors and churches, just helping them get healthier, Hmm. get them focused uh, with some clarity.
1: Hmm. Amazing. Now, there's a lot we could talk about there. I'm interested, obviously, the transition from one generation to another. That's a significant issue that a lot of churches are facing. Mm -hmm. Uh, But the thing that stuck out to me about your church, um, particularly, was just this whole area of small groups and, Mm -hmm. you know, getting people engaged in small groups. And it seems like... Um, I, you know, I know for me, I'll just try to be as honest as I can. You know, I think, um, our church, we struggle with it. We're probably averaging or no, we are averaging about 40, 45% of our people. And that's in actual attendance. Um, yeah um when we do you know because we take attendance every week in those groups um as opposed to just like aspirational like ah we think there's that many people but uh, <laughs> that uh it seems like we're stuck at that number to be honest we seem to throw a lot at it uh to yeah. try to get there but we really haven't been able to move beyond that now tell me about your the experience that you've had uh, at your church
2: yeah look we've, we've had small groups in our church for over 30 years and the small groups i think especially in the last I would say 15 to 20 years have gone through more of a short cycle of effectiveness, where about every three to four years, you almost need to reinvent them, relaunch them, reinvigorate them. Um, about 20 years, so no, probably about 15 years ago, we sat down and said, look, we really need to reinvigorate our, our small groups, and we, we actually were so desperate about it. Um, we went away for a two-day retreat with mm. all our pastoral team, and we just hurt our heads. We did a lot of pre-reading, a lot of thinking, mm. and then went to the retreat and and just talked and talked and worked out what do we really want in our small groups. Mm. And uh, I tell you, my brain was aching during that two days because <laughs> we just had so many concepts, ideas, systems. We were praying, we're thinking, talking. and. Mm. We, we came up with, the, with this basic, simple concept that, that small groups were about relationships with people in connection to Christ. Mm. And sometimes I think when you get things down to a very simple, basic idea, it's a lot easier to focus on what you're trying to do. Mm. And I think out of that, we also decided that uh, groups really need to have an empowered leader in charge. So we want to kind of release our leaders from not being locked down to a certain style and way of doing their small group, to actually find out what sort of small group is in you. What sort of small group would you like to run that's going to build people's relationships and connect them more to Christ? As long as those two purposes and outcomes are getting fulfilled... What do you want to do with those groups? And I think that was probably one of our, if you like, if it was a tipping point in that two days, I think it was coming across that thought of, hey, let's empower people to run the group the way that they want to run them as long as they're achieving those outcomes.
1: Okay, so let's let's pause on that one a little bit. That's an interesting idea. You know, I think uh, sometimes I, we can, there seems to be a bunch of different camps in the small group world. There's like, yeah. hey, yeah, they there should either be like all affinity-based, so like they should be, you know, groups of people who are very similar. So I would be like the forty-something yep. bald guys group, um, and you know, those guys really liked hanging out together because they all can talk about razor blades and stuff, and yeah. you know, the latest yeah. shave cream. Yeah. Or, yeah, yeah. or you go kind of more community-based, right, where it's like people in my yeah. neighborhood. Um, you know, the ideal of that is like everybody walks over together, come walks to someone's house, brings yeah. something for the potluck. Um, do you did you have that kind of variety across the spectrum, yeah. or was it yeah? So, so tell me about that. Yeah.
2: We had people uh, meeting in homes, so you're like people who really wanted to do a Bible study in a home. So we said, great. People wanted to meet in a cafe and have more discussion, life issues, kind of more relationally based in a, in a cafe, right through to craft groups, to your kind of your kind of common interest sort of purpose groups, bike riding groups, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we were kind of making sure also that the groups that were like craft or bike riding, we pushed them really hard as, okay, that's fantastic, you've got a common interest and you're building friendship, but where's the God connection in that? So we monitored that, really pushed that hard in culture, make sure there's a God moment within that group. Once you're sitting around having a coffee after a bike ride, there needs to be in the conversation Mm -hmm. a connection to Christ. So it's not just talking about the weather or the latest sports event or some sort of concert they've been to. So I think I think, to me, it was kind of finding out, OK, what sort of group do you want to run? What are you mm. really passionate about? Mm. I'm really passionate about getting people into the Bible. Mm. Great. I reckon there's people in our church who are passionate about that. I'm really passionate about men. Um, maybe in, in my age group, I'm, I'm a little bit older than 40, I'm in yeah. the 60-plus group. Yeah. And so guys who are at this stage of life who may be thinking of next stage of retirement or mm. change of career and try something completely different in their 60s, get those guys think, I'm passionate about that. Great. Let's release you. To do that, and we worried less about process and more about outcome. Hmm. So there was a wide variety of groups uh, right. in our church.
1: Now, did you end up having kind of a common curriculum? Did you ha- how did you try to ensure? You know, I, I get the idea. You know, I think yeah. uh, the idea of a you know place for relationships, I think, it's opening that up, you know, passion-driven, yep. I think, will help that. But how did you and kind of ensure the connection for you know connection to Christ? Yeah.
2: peace so we did a whole range of things in terms of curriculum. Mm-hmm. Um, we gave mm-hmm. uh, leaders discussions that they could do. Sometimes they'd be based on Sunday sermons, but I, I found a group trying to discuss the Sunday sermon every fortnight, every week, every month, whenever they were meeting was was a little bit. People say, yeah, I got the message. I got the point. I don't really want to talk about it anymore. Let's talk about something a bit more relevant. So sometimes we do that. Sometimes we'll give them a discussion with a curriculum base. At other times, we say, look, this month, just go with the flow. Whatever you kind of feel like you want in your heart. So, again, it was fairly... Um, I guess eclectic in the mm-hmm. style mm-hmm. Of, of not locking down, hey, here's A, B, C, D, mm-hmm. and most of our leaders, look, I, th- I would say the 60, 70% of our leaders were quite mature believers, mm. so we were trusting them. We weren't putting any sort of weirdo into run a group, <laughs> we right. someone who was kind of feet on the ground who would know what to do. So again, fair degree of empowering down at the leadership level.
1: Mm-hmm. Wow. All right. Other other kind of pieces of the puzzle to, to kind of help encourage, you know, boost kind of small yeah. engagement. Yeah. In the
2: a couple of things that, that we did that was different for us. We, we committed our entire pastoral team to running a small group. So I, as okay. the lead pastor, was running my own, we call them connect groups, um, mm-hmm. which was part of the rebadging to a different name about 12, mm-hmm. 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, I ran a group. My wife ran a group, um, our pastoral team ran a group, all our key leaders uh, were committed to being in a small group, so, Mm -hmm. right through our board. Uh, key leaders across all departments. If you're in a key leadership role in the church, you were committed to being in a connect group. Now, How, how
1: important I, was that to, to oh, the kind of f- fulfillment critical, of,
2: of critical, your mission? absolutely critical. The mm-hmm. fact that, um, you know, it's like when you're preaching, Rich, if, if you're living it, mm-hmm. it's so much easier to preach it mm-hmm. with authenticity. People mm-hmm. believe you if you say, hey, I'm doing this, mm-hmm. and here's the story of me mm-hmm. doing it. So mm-hmm. come on, join with me in doing it. So mm-hmm. for me to stand up there and say to people, hey, you should all be in a small group and I wasn't in one (laughs) you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot right there people very easy to ignore but when I talk about my small group and share stories of what was going on and I'd be multiplying my group and growing it Mm -hmm. that was kind of like wow that that I think that was a massive culture shift in our church when our leaders um, right at the very top down were going hey this is so important we're going to give ourselves to it uh, as well. Yeah, you know, I've I've said to teaching pastors in the past, um,
1: you know, rather than, and you can do like the once a year, okay, we're going to preach on why small groups are super important. I'm not (laughs) saying you shouldn't do that. But if I was going to take, um, one Sunday a year where you get up and talk about how important it is, or throughout the year, sprinkled yep. in throughout your content, talking just offhanded, you know, hey, I was in my life yeah. group or my connect group this weekend. Totally. This is what I learned. Or, you know, hey, my guys in my connect group, we were out serving at the soup kitchen this last weekend. Yeah. All those m- small little things will gain so much traction in the culture. Yeah. People will right. pick up on that for sure.
2: And the culture is the thing we we found after a couple of years of running really hard um, with this, and we did a couple of things as well to help push it. But we found yeah. the culture became so much that people who weren't in a connect group felt like they were in the minority in our right. church, right. and that was a, that was a shift. And that that still is that way today, fifteen years later. That, that that if you're not in a small group, you're not in a connect group. You kind of go, well, hang on, what, what are you doing with your with your walk with Christ? You you, you can't just turn up on a Sunday, head home. That's that's You're done. That ain't going to work. Right. Very cool. Um, so cultural shift. When I started to hear that, of even a long, I remember a long-term member in our church kind of saying to me that he hadn't, he hadn't kind of got with the program yet after a couple of years, and he kind of said, I, I feel a little bit out of place. I, I feel like I'm missing out. <laughs> right. And uh, well, jump in, man, and he did. But that to me was like, ha-ha, okay, we've got culture going on here, which is, uh, is a huge monster. Once you get that thing rolling, I'll right. stop.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's very cool. Uh, other pieces so kind of making sure everyone's in, involved. What else did uh, was kind of critical? Yeah.
2: We did a crazy thing in the first 12 months. This was this was this was off the charts. This is nuts, right. but we did it. And look, it was hard, it was tiring, but we committed to fortnight training of small group leaders. Okay. So every fortnight for 1 year, mm-hmm. we got our small group leaders in small groups and did ongoing training with them. I mean, for, for goodness sake, that's that's crazy, to be that honest is. with you. Yeah, uh, That's a lot of energy. That's a lot of effort. And and after a year, I think we might have gone 18 months. We said, that's enough. Let's break it. It's too much. Let's kind of pull it back. But that really developed high-quality, high-caliber leaders because they were able to, able to talk about the issues going on in their groups, the problems they were facing, were able to pray with them. And you built this collegiate-type feel amongst mm-hmm. the small group leaders. Mm-hmm. And so you had these kind of development groups going on fortnightly through a year. Mm -hmm. Now that's gonna raise the standard in your group straight away. What
1: what did you do in those those conversations? What was kind of, what did that, give me a sense of what a typical one of those was. We'd run
2: it for about an hour, hour 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. We'd have prayer in that time, definitely have some coffee and some nice food. So you create a real sense of ambience around the evening as well. Then we would uh, do a specific training of a skill. So how to lead a great discussion, how to, okay. kind of, how to kind of dial down someone who's dominating discussions, how to be praying for people. And we'd do a bit of role play in that and a bit mm-hmm. of kind of kind of enjoyment of acting that out and a bit of laughter related right. to that. And then also continuing to cast the vision. Why are we doing this? Why, even as the lead pastor, you know, we're, we're a fairly sizable church. Why is the lead pastor, am I running this training every fortnight? And am I running a connect group? This is why we're doing it. And so vision did not drift in that time. It was fantastic. Very cool.
1: For folks that are listening in that aren't don't know what a fortnight is, that's every other week or every 14 days. Oh, huh? I <laughs> um, So that's, that's a lot. You know, that's a ton of training over a year. Um, that's an yep. incredible commitment uh, to that that's incredible
2: yeah. yeah I think we also did uh, ongoing and we did this we're pretty well I think we've done this for the last 12 15 years we did very good onboard training of new leaders yeah. so as new leaders would come on board they would go through a training program that they were really uh, I you know really trained well both both in a kind of classroom sounds wrong, but in a a setting where they were taught about the whole vision and so on, but then also apprenticed into a group. Mm -hmm. So they'd watch a a skilled and a, a leader of high caliber, actually involved them in the process. And I remember doing that in my own group, kind of making sure I was training a couple of leaders all the the time, giving them discussions to do while I was there and when I was away and and developing them so we had an apprenticeship pipeline system going through. But then when it came for them to run a group, the onboard training was meticulous and they were well-shepherded and well-coached and well-cared for in that um, process as well.
1: Very cool. Now I noticed earlier you talked about um, how you rebadged or rebranded to connect Mm -hmm. groups from small groups. Why did you do that? Why did you call them connect groups?
2: Yeah, I think it kind of it, it captured that. You know, I love intuitive words, words that you don't have to explain. Right. I mean, what does connect mean? It means connect. I mean, right. it's just <laughs> easy to grab. And small groups, I remember years ago, um, this is going way back, uh, Rich. You won't remember these days, the 1980s, this yep. is going nice. way back, ancient history, when we had, we called them home group fellowships right. or home fellowship groups. And it sounded right. very, very 70s and 80s, Right, doesn't exactly, it? exactly. Might come, might come <laughs> back retro in or the you 2020s never know. or something. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> it's possible to come exactly. back. But um, we had kind of small groups, and uh, I think we might have mucked around with life groups at one stage, but Connect Groups was just a name we'd never used. Mm-hmm. And so we designed a logo around it, got some colors around it, just freshened the whole thing up. And so it just grabbed people's attention. Mm-hmm. Something new is changing. Uh, the Australian church year runs from January through to December, calendar year style. So February is like our big launch month of the okay. year to get the year rolling in mm-hmm. Australia. So in February, March, we actually didn't run any small groups, which was really strange for our church. Mm-hmm. We'd always start. February but we did training vision casting refocusing and then kind of launched around about mid to late March with the new name which mm. again just focused everybody on hey hang on what's happened to my small group well hang around something new is coming uh, kind of build some curiosity and momentum towards and rebadging things and I look I reckon today this is 15 years on now today I think you almost have to reinvent your small groups every 3 4 years mm. just freshen them up mm. rebadge them rethink them mm-hmm. make them feel like there's something new which is something we've done over the last a few years my successor has done that in the last mm-hmm. few years as well gone to a hold
1: Yeah I've wondered that stretch. you know even in our in our our church we call them life groups and one of the yeah. questions I've been asking you know, recently of the folks that are involved in leadership in that area is, I'm not sure that that's exactly the issue you said. I'm not sure that name really works anymore. It doesn't make sense. Because mm-hmm. yeah. what is a life group? I don't know. It's yeah. a place where life happens. Like it's not. Um, and I think even just the idea of, hey, even if it works, just rebadging it, rebranding it every few years yep. to, to keep it in front of people and be like, hey, no, here's a new kind of renewed focus um, on, you know, whatever it is that we're kind of focusing on for this season yep. within yeah. our uh, small groups. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So what ended up happening out of all this? So did, did it end up working? Did you end up yeah. increasing? <laughs> a number? It's a lot of work. Did you have more people? Yeah, yeah a lot of work.
2: Yeah. Look, um, we we got our we got attendance up to to the mid 60s. Got through the wow. 60% mark, mid 60s. That's um, Sustained it around the mid 60s, and still today it sits around the mid 60s. So wow. probably in our um, probably our best stat would have been about 68% roundabout wow. up there, but 65 67% was pretty regular for our church, and it's still sitting there today, which is just that's uh, remarkable, really. Um, yeah, it is. It's, I, I'm. I'm a I'm. You know, Australia is a secular society. Mm-hmm. It's not a Christian society. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ten to fifteen percent of people in Australia on a good Sunday go to church. Right. That's a high Sunday. Right. So in Australia, people who go to church are really. They're believers. They're mm. they're into it. They're, there's kind of no, there's no general I go to church because that's a good idea thing in Australia. That's kind of weird if you go to church in right. Australia, to be honest. So what happens in Australian churches is people get quite committed to the idea of building relationships with mm. other believers. Mm. There's no place like a small group to do it. So I think the the kind of ambient atmosphere in Australian churches is hey, get into relationships. So if it starts from the top. Mm-hmm. From the lead pastor flows through the team and the key leaders. I think you can actually make it work uh, in our environment and our mm-hmm. culture and in our nation um, without, well, with a lot of work, but right. you can keep it up there at 60% plus. I think it's a very doable goal. That's
1: amazing. That's uh, that's incredible. You know, I think a church is, if, if we were to experience that kind of growth, um, on the mm. the small group side, would just would know, transform what's happening um, in yep. our in our churches yep. for sure. And your, your church was fairly sizable as well. It wasn't. You know, this wasn't a, a small church through this this time frame, right? Yeah. How, how large was your you know kind of typical yeah, was, Sunday?
2: We're kind of around the eight hundred to a yeah. thousand sort of mark where we. That's incredible.
1: Which, again, I know, you know, I obviously for folks who have been listening to the show for a while, they know I'm Canadian. And, you know, the spiritual dynamics in Australia and Canada, I understand, are similar. That, you know, it's not like... I, I god bless our friends who are, live in the south in the united states because uh, you know they seem to love church down there that hasn't been my experience um and that's obviously not the experience of um you know of in australia as well so is there anything else around this whole small group thing we want to talk through before we jump into the lightning round
2: Yeah, look, I I think just any lead pastor listening out there, get passionate about it. Even if you don't like all the admin related to small groups, get passionate about running a small group, run one and start a fire and just see what happens in your church. If it's in you, it'll get in your people.
0: This is the Unseminary Podcast, stuff you wish they taught in seminary. Well, we're gonna jump into the lightning round, that part of the show,
1: um, where we ask similar questions of of everyone who's been on the show. Today, we're super excited to have uh, John Finkeldi with us. Uh, He's a great leader from Perth, uh, Australia. We've been talking about small groups and all kinds of great uh, stuff today. I'm just excited to have John with us. So John, what's an online resource that you're using these days that's particularly helpful for you? Look, I
2: just started using about six weeks ago Trello, oh, uh, nice. And man, I'm really enjoying that and, and I've created four lists on it, my done list, my doing list, to-do to list, and then my waiting room list, I call it, right. uh, which is kind mm-hmm. of, I get an idea, I throw it in the waiting room and uh, it might be six months before I get to it, but at least I know it's it's somewhere Got where you. I won't forget. <laughs> I mean, Absolutely. I use Evernote, but man, you get lost in Evernote. But Trello just keeps nice, easy, and I just shift things over. And I look at my done list every now and again and think I'm a superhero. I'm getting so much done. It's a <laughs> great fantastic. feeling. Yeah, better than great. written lists. Yeah, very really cool. It.
1: Great. What's a book you've read in the last, you know, six months to a year that's had an impact on your your thinking?
2: Uh, yeah, the Grasshopper Myth by Carl Vaders uh, mm-hmm. out of California. Mm-hmm. Carl has a, got a great blog as well. Uh, new Small Church uh, is his blog. But he's written some great stuff on valuing small and medium-sized churches and kind of dialing down this, hey, we all got to be a mega church to do anything effective. He's, his stuff is brilliant. Kind of shifted my thinking somewhat. I've always been into small and medium churches, having planted a lot of churches out of our church. But that book has just got some... You know how you think rich intuitive intuitively you think some things and then someone writes them and you go (laughs) that's what i was
1: thinking yes that's so true that's it yeah that's true that all the time that's the sign of a good writer right who you know can kind of get inside the head of people and articulate um you know even some ideas in a better way than you can yourself so that's really cool very cool we'll have to check that out um what's another ministry that you know you're that's kind of inspiring you these days you look at and you're kind of inspired what they're up to
2: yeah, look, I, I subscribe to about 300 blogs, so I'm, I'm kind of reading all sorts of guys from all <laughs> right. over the planet. I use Feedly to do that. It's another great app. But Tom Rainer is a guy I've found in the last 12, 18 months at Lifeway. Mm-hmm. Um, he just writes some, my goodness. I mean, he's got good researchers around him, I'm sure. I could write as good as that if I lived right. for Lifeway, I'm sure. <laughs> but he's got some great material. But one thing I like about Tom is he's very vulnerable. He's mm-hmm. authentic. He wrote a post recently about... Uh, nine big failures I had as a pastor, and man, mm. it was raw. It was mm. real. I mean, he was just putting it out there. I love that. Authenticity goes a long way uh, mm. in Australia, and I, I, Tom's got some great stuff. I lo- love his stuff. Very uh, cool. i often retweeting, retweeting him. Nice.
1: Cool. If you could get
2: 15 minutes with any uh, leader alive
1: today, uh, who would you want to get that time with and why?
2: I'd love to meet Tony Morgan at the Unstuck Group. I've been following his material for a while. He's a great church consultant guy and his material, especially on what to measure in the church and how to measure it, has been so helpful to me and my consulting. I just, I just kind of steal his stuff and don't tell anybody about him. His stuff is must read. Go, hey, sure. I got a good idea here. You right. know, kinda of. no, his, his stuff is great. He's another guy that I love to retweet. Tony Morgan's good because I he gets down to the bare bones basics of mm. church health and church growth. Um, yeah, I'd love to spend some time with him. Do you know Tony Morgan at all? So I've
1: met him, I know who he is, um, and okay. you know, we have mutual friends, but I don't, and I, same thing, we use his stuff yep. all the time, you know, yeah, he's yeah. a smart guy, um, you know, and I really appreciate yeah. it. He's he's done a, a fantastic job, you know, he's, he's uh, all credit yes. to him, he's done a good job for sure. Cool.
2: All and right. what's wh- uh, stuff easily, readily available to you don't have to pay thousands for yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Fantastic. Cool.
1: Um, all right, so if you're going to kick back, just have a little bit of fun, uh, what do you do for fun, just to relax uh, when you're in uh, Perth?
2: Yeah, I love photography. I mm. took up photography about eight years ago and I've uh, got a number of cameras now and so when I can get out, uh, I'll just uh, start snapping and do a bit of processing. Got a Canon 60D I shoot with, get it on Lightroom, sharpen it up a little bit, add a bit of clarity, a bit of vibrance and then throw it up on Instagram and everyone think that can't be off a phone, surely. <laughs> <And> <laughs> <it's> not.
1: <laughs> nice, very cool. Well, this has been great, John. I really appreciate you being on the show. One last question. This is a bit of a curveball, so I apologize for this. Um, As a a church leader who's led, you know, a thriving uh, church that's made an impact, you know, outside of North America, what would you say as a church leader from from a church leader outside of North America to North American leaders? Because that's primarily who listens into our show.
2: I would say uh, given... What I see the trends in the States, and I've been to the States a couple of times, but what I read and what I see the trends is, you're definitely trending towards a post-Christian society and culture. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there's a lot to be learned from healthy churches in Europe and in Australia mm-hmm. for American churches. And American churches have been great at publishing, writing, helping the global church in so many ways, so many different ways uh, over the years. I think there's a lot to be gained for American pastors and leaders to actually look to churches in Australia and Europe that have thrived in secular scenarios. And really find some other edges. I think uh, in a post-Christian nation that you're really trending towards now. So, Americans come to Australia.
1: <laughs> no, I really appreciate that, John. I know I've said a similar things over the years, and so I really appreciate. It. And one of the things you know we've tried to do is expose. Um, listeners to church leaders Mm -hmm. who are who are thriving outside of Atlanta Georgia because it seems like you know all all of there's like this Christian mafia in Atlanta Georgia that like all the ideas seem to come from somewhere around the Uh 400 um, in Atlanta Georgia and so um, it's been so it's been great to have you on the show today so I'd I'd love people to plug in with you you know learn more about you get connected how can they do that what are some ways they can connect with you
2: yeah, look, uh, connect with me on our website, growerhealthychurch.com. Uh, come visit my blog. Come visit our resources. We have free resources, all sorts of resources there. And you'll definitely find me on Facebook, Twitter, uh, and Instagram, and pretty well any social media that's around. I'm everywhere, Rich. Nice. I'm the everywhere man. <laughs> but uh, yeah, come visit our website. Hook me up.
0: That's great. Thanks so much, John. Have a great week. Thanks, Rich.